Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating whether or not Noah's Ark could have worked during the flood, and we are starting right now with Dan's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us, Dan. The floor is all yours. Thank you so much, James. I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you, Kent, for joining us. So, uh, <clears throat> first thing I want to say tonight is please get vaccinated. We're doing so well. There's light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccines, they're almost miraculously effective. They're safe. Get vaccinated, please. Second thing I want to say is people may say, Dan, why are you doing this? You're a serious person. You're an evolutionary biologist. Why are you debating about the ARC? And the reason is that I think it's important to deal with misinformation, whether that misinformation is serious or not. The thing that worries me about conversations like this is that if you can train your brain to believe something, even if it's something kind of silly, like did the ark exist? Could that have worked? Something that doesn't hurt anybody, if you believe it. The problem is if you can train your brain to believe something like that, that is obviously silly, then you're short-circuiting. You're training your brain to short-circuit like your BS detectors, right? So it makes you more susceptible. It makes people more likely to believe things like that vaccines are a conspiracy or COVID isn't real or something like that, right? And those beliefs do actual harm when they propagate. So that's why I'm doing this. It's, it's the point is to address misinformation as a whole because we want to we cut off that thought process that makes people susceptible to misinformation. So getting into it, there are some things that are so obvious they shouldn't be up for debate. Things we should all be able to agree on because they're so obviously the case. Things like Black Lives Matter, Things like that sex is not a binary. These things are obvious. Things like vaccines being safe and effective. And I'm not just talking about the COVID vaccine. I'm talking about vaccines in general. And that brings us to our topic for tonight. So I'm going to just take a quick second here to uh, switch around my screen a little bit. So we're going to uh, do this and then do this. And we should be good to go. Um, James, can you see both my face and the PowerPoint below me? Actually, right now, I'm only able to see the same three boxes on Zoom. So I, I think what we tested out prior, what I'm seeing right now isn't the same as what I had seen earlier when we tested it. It's not the same. Well, hang on then. I'm going to try to fix this. Okay. So let's see what we're looking at. Oh, yep. I see. I skipped a step. Let me fix that. How about now? Is that what we saw before with the... Close. My face above a PowerPoint slide. Uh, let's see. Let me just expand the screen, and this should still work. And we are good to go. All right. So now we are here uh, to talk about the ARC. And uh, so there are a couple things, like I said, that are not up for debate. The first thing I want to point out that is pretty obvious that shouldn't be up for debate is that Kent is not a doctor. And I. this is a very frustrating thing for me. Um, it's Mr. Not Doctor here, okay? As someone who has earned a legitimate doctorate, it's very frustrating to have someone go around calling themselves a doctor when they have not earned that title. Now, 
Unlike real dissertations, you can't find Kent's online in general, um, but you can find a, a leaked copy floating around out there. And it starts with, hello, my name is Kent Hovind. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. Here's a screenshot of the first line of the introduction. So I, I want to be very clear about this because there are lots of creationists who are actual credentialed scientists. People like Dr. Nathaniel Jeanson, Dr. John Sanford, Dr. Rob Carter, Dr. James Carter, Dr. George Apertum, Dr. Michael Behe, Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, Dr. Kevin Anderson. These are people that have legitimate technical degrees. They have doctorates in whatever field. Mr. Holvine does not, and it's frankly rude to the rest of the, not just me, but like everybody that has earned a legitimate degree to, to go along with Mr. Holvind when he insists on being called doctor. So that's the first thing that should be obvious that we can all agree on. The second thing is that the arc didn't happen. And we know it didn't happen for a few very simple reasons. One is that it was too big to work as a wooden boat. This is the Wyoming. It's the largest wooden boat that has ever been built. It was uh, 450 feet from tip to tip, but the actual deck was 350 feet. Now, what happened to the Wyoming? It sunk in heavy seas, I believe, off the coast of New England. Um, and the reason for that is because it's made of wood, it would flex and that would cause it to leak and it wasn't ultimately seaworthy. Now, the arc, depending on how you measure a cubit, if you go by the long cubit definition, was between 525 and 624 feet. Or if you go by the standard 18-inch cubit, it was 450 feet from end to end. Uh, obviously, the arc is not feasible as a wooden uh, ship of that size, especially in heavy seas, which I would think a global catastrophic flood would have involved some heavy seas. So right away, the arc just can't work. But we also have another problem to contend with. We have to deal with the heat associated with the flood. Creationists have calculated the heat would be equal to 300 trillion one megaton hydrogen bombs. That's from Walt Brown in 2015. Now, even if 90% of that heat somehow dissipates, which it couldn't do, but let's just assume 99% of that heat dissipates, that still leaves the residual heat of 14 H-bombs per cubic kilometer of ocean. Obviously, a wooden boat would be unable to survive in this environment. So on those grounds alone, the size of a wooden vessel and the heat associated with the flood, the ark could not work, period. That's the end. But there are other problems. And because I'm a genetics guy, I'm going to take a couple minutes here because I'm almost out of time. I'm going to take just a couple minutes to talk about genetic diversity. All humans supposedly came from three mating pairs after the ark. That's a problem for creationists because some human genes have over 1,000 variants, and many creationists claim that virtually all extant genetic variation is due to recombination. That's from Nathaniel Jensen and many others. There's not enough time to generate all the existing variation through recombination. One example of this is the ABO blood group. This is uh, the gene that controls your blood type. Let's round to 1,000 variants to be nice, but it's significantly more than that. But let's pretend it's only 1,000. And we'll unrealistically pretend that every time you do a recombination, you get two brand new versions of that gene. That means starting from between one and six, you need about 500 recombination events to get all the variation we see in this gene. Well, it's about one recombination event per chromosome per generation. The ABO gene is only about one five thousand six hundredths of its chromosome. It's located on chromosome nine. So you need 2.8 million recombination events to get all the variants of that gene. And if you, this is the whole chromosome, most of that chromosome is not genes. So recombination being less likely in genes and specifically within exons, the protein coding part, that makes the problem worse. 
At 20 years per generation and about 4,400 years since the flood, you only have 220 generations. And remember, it's just one recombination per generation per lineage, which would require over 12,000 distinct lineages from the ark. And remember, we're starting with three mating pairs. So the math simply does not work. It also gets worse because most recombination occurs in less than 10% of the genome, which makes the problem worse by between 10 and 100 times. So it's not possible to get extant human genetic diversity from the surviving ARC population. The last thing I'll say is that you also have a problem with speciation rates. Cats are a great example. Between the flood and Abraham, you need to generate <clears throat> about 150 species of cats. You only have 300 years in there to do that. And you also have an ice age in the middle, which cuts out about 100 years. This is true for lots of different groups. We know that because of hieroglyphics. So the conclusion is that you can't get this rapid uh, rate of speciation following uh, the flood in the, in the amount of time you need, but creationists like Kent must explain that rapid speciation within the biblical time frame. It's simply not possible. I'm just about at my time, so here's my conclusion. Mr. Hovind has not earned a doctorate. We shouldn't call him doctor. The ark would not work. It's too big, and it would be destroyed by all the heat. And the implications from the ark are impossible in terms of human genetics and speciation rates. Thank you. Thank you very much for that opening statement, Dan. We will kick it over to Kent for his opening statement as well. Want to let you know, folks, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are thrilled about this upcoming debate on Saturday. Namely, Christian apologist and scholar Kenny Rhodes will be taking on atheist debater Matt Dillahunty on whether or not there is good evidence for God. You don't want to miss it, folks, so be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, as well as that notification bell, so you don't miss out on that epic debate. With that, thanks so much, Kent. The floor is all yours for your opening statement. Well, thank you so much. I read about Dan in uh, Second Peter quite a few years ago. I'm going to put your name in there, Dan. Um, let's see. The Bible clearly teaches that God made everything. The creation was about 6,000 years ago. This is what the book says. Now, whether you choose to believe it or not, it's a different story. The Bible clearly teaches there was a worldwide flood. <clears throat> there are over a 1,000 flood legends been found around the world. Something happened to destroy the world with a flood. Jesus came about 2,000 years ago, and here we are today. All of human history fits into about 6,000 years, according to the Scripture. The Bible says clearly in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in the midst. The Bible, at least, is claiming that God made it in six days. Same thing in Exodus 31. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's what it says, the very first verse. I've chosen to believe that. Dan, obviously, has chosen not to believe that. But we were told in 2 Peter, right where I'm going to put your name here, Dan, knowing this first, that in, there shall come in the last days scoffers working at Princeton University. I'm sorry, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, that's uniformitarianism, which I'm sure you believe in, from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, willingly ignorant. In the Hebrew, that means dumb on purpose. They're willingly ignorant of three things. Number one, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. There are three heavens mentioned in the Bible, the heaven where the birds fly, the heaven where the stars are, and the heaven where God lives. Heavens is plural. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. The scoffers, like you, Dan, are ignorant of the flood. It was completely overstruck. Over, the world was overflown by water. There's enough water out there in the oceans right now to cover the earth, 8,800 feet deep, mile and a half, everywhere, if you smoothed out the planet. <clears throat> the Bible says at the end of the flood, in Psalm 104, the mountains arose, the valleys sank down, and the water rushed off. The ocean basins are still here from the Noah's flood. We cover all that on my video series. Okay, 
And they're also ignorant that the, of the day of judgment that is coming. So the scoffers, we were warned, would come in the last days, would be ignorant of the creation, ignorant of the flood, and ignorant of the coming judgment of God. Creation, the flood, and the end of the world, I cover in my books and series I've done. Jesus believed in Noah. He said in Matthew 24, <clears throat> Matthew 24, verse 36, that that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels, but as in the days of Noah were, so also were the coming of the Son of Man. You can read the scriptures for yourself, but your, your position, is, which is fine, you can take any position you want, and you can teach whatever you want. However, you need to understand, <clears throat> you are clearly going against what Jesus said, and I'm sure you know that. <clears throat> the book of Isaiah talks about the waters of Noah. As, it, as the waters of Noah, so have I sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So God, talking through Isaiah, believed in Noah. By faith, Noah was warned of God in Hebrews 11, and he prepared an ark. <clears throat> the Bible clearly says he prepared an ark. So there was Jesus said that the creation of Adam was the beginning, Mark 10, 6, Matthew 19, 4. And so this guy on National Pornographic says, no human being has ever seen a di live dinosaur. You can't possibly know such a thing. I believe dinosaurs always lived with man. They were created in the six days with everything else. Noah took them on the ark, probably babies. And so Adam must have seen dinosaurs. Look, we cover this on my video number. I didn't get all my video series. Okay, <clears throat> so you mentioned I don't have a doctorate. This is what's called an ad hominem attack, Dan. Um, <clears throat> I have three earned and one honorary doctorate. I'm welcome to, I don't insist. Do I, have, do I ever insist anybody call me doctor? No. Never. Here's my staff right here in front of me. You can call me whatever you want. Call me Bubba, call me how you. Now, I'll challenge you to do this, Dan. I'll give you $500 if you will have me come in by Skype and teach one hour in your class at, at Rutgers University. I'll pay you 500 bucks to let me answer questions and talk to the students. If they don't interrupt too much, I want an hour. And explain to the students the creation view. You're making fun of the Bible at taxpayer expense. I think, well, I'll get a chance to defend it just a little bit. But the creation was 6,000 years ago, and then there was a flood. Before the flood came, according to the Bible at least, the people lived to be 900 years old. And there are hundreds, I think, I don't know how many legends now, nearly 1,000 legends have been found of a time when man used to live to be 1,000. It's called the Golden Age. All the ancient people talked about this time. Oh, yeah, man used to live to be a 1,000. And you can call them all stupid if you'd like, but they did have legends about this. There must be a reason for some kind of legend like that. <clears throat> John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Jesus is claiming to be God. All things were made by him. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among. I apologize for my voice. <clears throat> I've been talking a lot the last couple of days. <clears throat> it's been hot here, too. And Jesus created, claims that he created everything. Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh. And Jesus said, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning, made them male and female? The Bible clearly teaches that the world started off with two people, Adam and Eve, says it again in Mark 10, 6. So <clears throat> I'm going to go through some of your objections real quickly here. My position is that the flood story is exactly true. You certainly can build a boat that big and you're worried about flexing and stuff. I cover this, you, you apparently haven't seen my videos, but Noah's Ark, many people think, had what's called a moon pool. A lot of large ships have that. It's a hole in the floor that goes with a wall up on the inside, and when you go over a wave, the water can go up and down inside the moon pool, which relieves the stress on a long ship, <clears throat> acts like a giant piston to pump fresh air in and out, and is a good source of water. If the whole world was fresh water during Noah's flood, which I believe it was, and it slowly has become saltier since the flood, <clears throat> that's not a problem. <clears throat> they would have a water, a, a fresh water supply, an air circulation supply, and stress relief for a big wooden boat. I also believe 
that the Noah's Ark has been found in Turkey, right, where the Bible says it landed, mountains of Ararat, not on a mountain, in the mountains. If the water's receding, it's unlikely for it to land on a mountain, just like it's hard to bring your knee up under a sponge floating in your bathtub and get it to land on your knee. It'll float off to one side. So the Bible is nested, the Ark is nested between some mountains in the mountains of Ararat. It's been pretty thoroughly documented. The Turkish government has a visitor center there, and the boat was about 515 feet long, which would be 300 Egyptian cubits. <clears throat> based on the Egyptian cubit elbow to fingertip. So I do believe the story is true. I believe uh, it would be, I would be, I would be wrong, almost criminal to use tax dollars to turn students away from believing the Bible when this country was founded by people who believed the Bible and people who they weren't all, all Christian. They certainly weren't all fundamental Baptists like me, but you're saying there was a heat problem. Well, <clears throat> the Bible teaches, again, the scoffers are ignorant of what the creation was like, how the earth was in the water and out of the water. There was a canopy of ice or water, maybe 10 miles up, a few inches thick. The Hebrews have always taught it was two to three fingers thick, a, a crystalline canopy above the air. If today's air, which is 60 miles, was squeezed down into, say, 10 miles and covered with a crystalline canopy, the whole earth would be like a greenhouse. Now, when the fountains of the deep break open and the rain begins, the canopy is shattered, and so the atmosphere is expanding. Take a physics class. When, you, when air expands, it cools off. Hold on to a can of hairspray and hold the button down. It'll get freezing cold in your hand. When you take compressed air and relieve the pressure, the heat is absorbed. So I don't know why you think there's a heat problem there. I don't, I've never heard anybody else say that. <clears throat> That's a new one for me, but you can believe what you want. So you're saying the implications of the arc are impossible, human genetics and speciation rates. For heaven's sake, Dan, you're complaining about all the people in the world coming from three mating pairs on Noah's Ark when you believe all the people in the world came from a rock. The earth cooled down, had a hard rocky crust, and it rained on the rocks for millions of years, and the soup came alive. That's the evolution theory. And you call the Bible dumb? Gee whiz, go look in the mirror. Okay, so I don't mean to get too hostile here, but you started this, okay? <clears throat> Let's see. Speciation rates. 150 species of cats. For heaven's sake, you think all the cats came from a rock which came from a dot of nothing exploding. You guys believe the whole universe fit into a dot smaller than a proton. Stop and think what you're saying. You couldn't Ten squeeze a bowling left. ball into a dot smaller than a proton, let alone the whole universe. Certainly not insane to believe such a thing. I believe the speciation rates are clear. <clears throat> I had a family and that went on a time. We're at about time. Okay, watch my seminar. We'll straighten all that stuff out and With get you converted. With that, we will jump into the open conversation, folks. Want to let you know, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from. Christian, atheist, Muslim, you name it, folks. We're glad you're here. And our guests are linked not only in the description below here on YouTube, but also in the podcast episode for this debate in case you are listening to this via podcast. So with that, gentlemen, thanks so much. And the floor is all yours. So if I can, I want to just, so first thing I'll say is the debate, not about theology, not about, not about like any specific uh, parts of the Bible other than Genesis and the Genesis flood. It's not about the Big Bang. It's not about abiogenesis. So despite all of the wrong stuff related to like animals evolved from a rock, we didn't evolve from rocks. That's not how it works. But like, that's not the topic of the debate. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, here, the debate's not about evolution. Um, the debate is about whether the ark was possible. So the, I mean, for me personally, the big problem with the ark is is the fact that it's it generates uh, a ton of heat, and um, 
the the you you mentioned the the fountains of the deep, and that's exactly where Walt Brown calculated his his numbers from. So um, I guess my 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 first question for for Kent here is, you know, do you accept Walt Brown's numbers as valid? Uh, if not, what's the alternative value for how much heat would have been generated in that event? And then follow up to that is how much of that heat is going to get dispersed? Because remember, if ninety nine percent of that heat gets dispersed you're still left with megatons of energy per per cubic kilometer of ocean, right? Covering the entire planet, right? You're still talking about an absolutely immense amount of heat that's going to destroy like a wooden boat. So, I mean, putting aside the things about like the feasibility of a wooden boat, even with the hole in the middle, um, the fact that the floodwaters would have been freshwater, that's, it's, it's, flood over land, there's going to be erosion and stuff in there. It's not going to be freshwater, but that doesn't matter. Like, let's focus on, on like the actual nuts and bolts of the logistics here. How much heat is being generated if Walt Brown is wrong? And in either case, whether he's right or wrong, how does that heat, how much of that heat gets dispersed and how fast? So it doesn't destroy the boat because even a few minutes at that temperature is going to destroy the wooden boat. So how does that work in practice? Okay. Well, you talked about four different subjects. I'd rather go one topic or question at a time if you'd like, but you you mentioned you didn't want to talk about the, the scriptures being wrong and you want to stick on Noah's Ark, but you started off this thing talking about vaccinations. What on earth does that have to do with anything? And if Public vaccines health. are safe, if vaccines are safe, go get one. If you're protected, why do I have to get one? You're safe, man. Take yours. Take two. Take mine. Anyway, that's a different story. So yes, evolution does teach. It does teach the earth cooled down and was a hard rocky crust and it rained on the rocks for millions of years and turned them into soup and in the soup life got started. You do believe you came from a rock. Yes, you do. You may be embarrassed to show your students that, but I won't be. Have me on your program. Make 500 bucks. I'll tell the students about the evolution coming from a rock. As far as the Walt Brown, what he believes on the heat, I don't know. I don't care what Walt Brown believes. He's got some great books. I've, I've, I've never met him. I've talked to him a couple of times on the phone, but I'm not, I'm not in his, he, I don't work for him. I, I said very clearly, if you studied any physics, when air expands, it absorbs heat. So you're worried about this 1%, which is a pure fictitious number that you're making up. You're creating a straw man. I, uh, there, I didn't make up that number. not a heat problem. I didn't, I didn't make up that number. That's from creationists. And they're not, Walt Brown is not the only one to identify a heat problem here. You also have the rate team that identified a heat problem associated with accelerated nuclear decay. Okay, which most creationists agree, and I would love to hear if you agree with this, that to, to make the radiometric dating work for a young Earth timeline, you need accelerated nuclear decay. That also is going to generate an immense amount of heat in addition to the heat generated by the flood. So in addition to all those, those one megaton H-bombs, you have all the other heat from the accelerated radioactive decay. The rate team themselves, and again, this is not me, this is me quoting the rate team, the team that you know, you know, was trying to figure this out like it's a genuine young earth research group. And they acknowledged that when it comes to the heat from radioactive uh, accelerated nuclear decay, that you need, and the direct quote, exotic solutions to, to prevent that heat from destroying everything on the planet, essentially, um, which is to say you, you need miracles to do it. And if you want to invoke miracles for this to work, that's fine. But like, I want to jump in here just because so far we've talked about a lot of stuff. We haven't talked a lot about the arc. So the topic <laughs> is actually whether or not the ark could work in a global flood. And so I do want to redirect us to those types of objections. Well, I would point out there is enormous historical records from a variety of cultures talking about a family saved in a boat. People that have nothing to do with Christianity have legends of an ark. 
there are many, many hundreds of those that have been discovered. Certainly, the idea of the Earth being destroyed by water is, I think, pretty obvious to anybody that studies geology. There was a flood on this planet. I live in the middle of Lenox, Alabama, in a former gravel pit where we have seven layers of gravel, sand, clay, gravel, sand, clay. These gravel layers that they dug out of here go all the way to North Carolina and all the way to North Tennessee and South Florida. There are tens of thousands of square miles of gravel, and they are rounded off, indicating they were tumbled like a rock tumbler. Noah's flood, if Noah was in the ark, like the Bible says, and the water is being pulled up and down with a tidal movement of the, as, as it spins under the moon. Right now, the tide in Pensacola, Florida, where I lived for years, is up and down about five feet because it gets interrupted. It gets bangs into something called Florida. But if there were no continents sticking through the water, people have studied this, it's pretty obvious. If the earth were completely covered in water and the surface were smoother, the uninterrupted tide would become harmonic and it would be a 200-foot tidal change every six hours, 12 and a half minutes. So if the water came up 200 feet in six hours, 12 and a half minutes, the water has to be pulled in from the side by moon's gravity at the same speed the earth is turning. Well, at my latitude in Lenox, Alabama, 31 degrees above the equator, we're turning almost 900 miles an hour toward the east. So the water would be rushing into that bump, which is constantly being held under the moon. The water's rushing in and out of that high tide bump at nearly 900 miles an hour. That's gonna move lateral movement of the water Noah's Ark would just simply be floating on top. It wouldn't affect him. But the ground underneath would be get layer after layer after layer of gravel, sand, clay. You need to come take the tour of this place. We talk about all that. We teach real science here at our science center in Lenox, Alabama at Dinosaur Adventureland. So I think the flood is the only logical explanation for petrified clams like this one that are found on top of Mount Everest. All the mountains in the world have giant petrified clams. The largest oyster today in the world is a little less than 14 inches. They found over 500 fossilized closed petrified oysters on top of two miles of mountains in Peru, South America, all of them bigger than the world record. One of them was 11 feet, an 11-foot oyster. Jumping in one more time, just okay. to, in terms of the objections for and against the ark itself, rather than... Uh, all of the topics that we've covered, including whether or not the flood itself happened, okay. would love to redirect just a bit more. All right, well, just one more thought, and I'll let Owen hear his answer. There's a website called barrymanology.com. Barrowman is the Hebrew word for kind. God said, bring them into the ark after they're kind. And he only had to bring those on land. Fish didn't have to go. They had plenty of water outside. And only those with nostrils. It means insects don't have to go. They could survive on floating log mats and floating carcasses. So they've decided there's about 8,000 kinds of animals in the world. From those 8,000 basic kinds, you could develop millions of species. Um, there are 350 recognized breeds of dogs, and they probably had a common ancestor called a dog. But to get all that from, to, that, that does not indicate dogs and bananas are related, which is what you believe, I'm sure, if you go back far enough in time. Because after all, you, you drew a line on paper connecting them, so they got to be related. So I think the, the arc could easily hold 8,000 mating pairs of animals if Noah brought babies. That'd be common sense to bring babies of everything. They live longer after the flood's over to produce more offspring. That's why you're bringing them. They're smaller, they got less poop to shovel, they got less food to eat, it's common sense. And Noah was 600 years old, he'd be smart enough to figure that out. Don't get big elephants, get babies. So I, I, I believe the story is very reasonable. And I believe from 8,000, 8, I'm sorry, pairs of animals on the ark, if that's the right number, it's probably close. We could easily generate all the millions of varieties we have today. Gotcha. We'll jump uh, over to Dan. 
So a couple quick corrections that I know we're off topic, but I want everyone in the audience to just understand. Uh, the clams were bigger in the past because the atmospheric oxygen was higher in the past. So many different types of animals could be larger uh, tens of millions of years ago. So that's why, for example, um, you have like spiders and other arthropods that are much bigger in the past compared to now. It's because you have more oxygen so they could more efficiently get oxygen through their bodies so they could sustain more mass. Um, Going back to the flood and the ark and whether this could, oh, and one more thing, it's um, a lot of those so-called clams, they're actually not clams, they're things uh, called uh, bro um, brachiopods, um, and, and they, they're slightly different morphology from clams, so it's just, a, it's, it doesn't matter for what we're talking about with the ark, but it's just a point of order. Um, so going back to the flood, I would love to know what the maximum temperature is that a wooden boat could... Um, like could survive sustainably like what's because we're talking 40 days and 40 nights of rain and then a subsequent flood for you know that lasted in total a year so the the fountains of the deep are going to eject you have the atmosphere supposedly expanding this ice shell and that's going to disperse the heat but as walt brown demonstrated even with dispersing most of that heat you're still left with a lot of heat the calculations vary from somewhere between one and ten thousand degrees celsius to well over 10,000 degrees Celsius, like sustained temperature. So what I would like to know is one, does Kent disagree with the implications of this fountains of the deep idea for in terms of the heat that would have been generated? Because we're basically talking about global worldwide volcanic eruptions. So one, do you disagree with that? Um, in terms we of the, the also the, have to talk about the arc, which is what I'm getting, James, I promise for. you, because the question is about whether the, about the arcs of a wooden boat's ability to survive the heat, especially because it would have been not just wood is flammable, but also it would have been sealed with things like pitch and animal fat, which also combust. So if you have all this heat, why isn't the arc bursting into flames? So what I'm asking Kent is what's the temperature that would have been generated and what is the temperature that a giant wooden boat could survive? And the answer is thousands of degrees Celsius and it couldn't survive. And that's why the arc couldn't work. So I told you I would bring it back around, I promise. Okay, well, Dan, you're absolutely correct. If the temperature was thousands of degrees Celsius, the arc would not survive. There's the problem. Did you know if you ate an entire elephant, you would get a bellyache? <laughs> I'm making up a stupid example to show you how stupid yours is. We don't have, you don't know that it was thousands of degrees Celsius, that you're stuck on this one problem of a heat problem. It's not true. The Bible talked about you in 2 Peter chapter 3. The scoffers would be willingly ignorant of how the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens were of old. Now watch this. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. There used to be a lot more water in the crust of the earth. Most of what's now in the oceans was in the crust, submerged. Most of the land during the creation was most of the earth was land. God created it to be inhabited. Today, only 3% of the world is habitable. A whole bunch of it's under deserts and ice caps and water, et cetera. So what we see today is the devastated results of that Noah's flood. And if the fountains of the deep broke open, like the Bible says, and the water came shooting up, that's where most of the flood water came from. That would allow the crust of the earth to sink in 100 feet or so, whatever water was displaced underneath. Now the earth would speed up just a hair in its spin which is why most ancient cultures have a 360-day year, and today we have 365.2422. So I think the earth sped up a little because of the changing of water under the crust. There is still water in the crust of the earth. That's why we get 10 million subterranean hot water vents, geysers, Old Faithful, most of them under the ocean. All along the San Andreas Fault, there is still water squirting up into the bottom of the ocean, which means it has to be coming from lower than that. There's no other way to think about it. 
and the water under the crust, as the crust collapsed, it would squeeze these water pockets. Many of them squirted out at the flood, <clears throat> broke up the earth into plates, and we still have fault lines all over the place. And some of them are still squirting out water, millions of them. Let's just Google thermal vents in the ocean or on land, like, like old faithful geysers, et cetera. So the heat generated would be absorbed by the expanding atmosphere. If it went from 10 miles to 60 miles or whatever, we don't know, that would absorb it. But you're completely making up numbers. You don't know. You have no idea what the heat was. I don't care what Walt Brown teaches on that. I, I don't teach that. I don't believe that. You're debating me, okay? You're the one who believes you came from a rock and believe not all the animals couldn't couldn't fit on Noah's Ark, and yet they could all fit in a dot, smaller than a period on a page. You got a problem, but I'll be glad to help you. Come on, go ahead. <clears throat> so, okay, so again, came from a rock, not true, but like not relevant also. So I'm trying to keep this focused on your position here. I'm having trouble clarifying it because I've given you a couple of examples of, of what creationists have said about the heat associated with the flood. I don't, I don't um, but I, don't I would love them. to know, well, I would love to know what you think the temperature was during the flood. And if you think that yeah. having essentially geysers all over the world appreciably increased the temperature of the planet, if like, what was the temperature? I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get at what that temperature was. Fair enough. I think it was 72 degrees Fahrenheit. It was 72 degrees. So the world is, just to be clear, the world is covered in geysers sufficient to cover the entire planet. I cannot hear you. What now? Oh, I was saying, I'm sorry. So the world covered in geysers, essentially, sufficient, more powerful than any geysers that exist on Earth today, essentially volcanoes, but shooting water into the atmosphere. And the world was covered in these in these water volcanoes. And the temperature stayed 72 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the position? It might have got up to 73 in a few spots, but about 72, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I. What can I, I'm, I'm honestly speechless that that would not change the temperature yep. of the planet that because would be we're talking about physics, right? So if we inject right. a bunch of hot water into the atmosphere, but that doesn't change the temperature of the atmosphere, I want to be very clear that that's the position. No, I said, and I didn't say the earth is covered in geysers. There are cracks all over the world today. There are fault lines right now squirting out hot water. Old Faithful, as an example, all along the San Andreas Fault. That doesn't mean the whole surface of the world is doing that. We don't have any here in Lenox, Alabama. Come on down. You'll be safe. There's no geysers here. The world is huge, okay? Nearly 8,000 miles in diameter, nearly 25,000 miles around. It's huge. Yes, I believe there were fountains of the deep coming up, and the crust of the earth would settle back into the void as the water underneath came up. But you get all kinds of physics going on. I need to talk to Walt Brown. I don't know what he, where he gets his numbers from, and neither do you. <clears throat> but you're making up a number. Again, if you eat an elephant, you will get a bellyache. I can promise you that. Does so, Go ahead. But does the crust moving generate heat as well? Because that would have to be much faster than modern plate tectonics, and that generates heat from the friction. So do, would oh, yeah. that also be a source of heat? Yeah, they had a they had an earthquake in San Francisco in the early 1900s, mm -hmm. and the earth moved quite a ways, and we didn't feel a thing in Illinois. Didn't right, but this would have been... This would have been a essentially a global earthquake where it would have been the entire crust settling down as the water left from underneath it. It would have been much uh, larger distance than your typical earthquakes today, than any earthquakes well, today, and it would have been much more rapid. <clears throat> and so would that generate more heat to get the planet above 73 degrees Celsius, or would it stay within that nice room temperature range? Well, yeah, a few latitudes, it got up to 74, but it was generally 72. Mm -hmm. Okay, it would have gotten up to 74 now. Okay, uh-huh. This do we is have, so dumb. You're arguing about- Do we have the- Well, I'm trying to establish whether a wooden boat could survive this event. Do you have- Because like Walt Brown, trying, for all the bad trying to say Walt Brown Wait a minute, no, you're not. You're trying to say a wooden boat couldn't survive a thousand degrees, and I agree. But you made up the thousand degrees. 
It was Walt well, 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 Brown and a bunch of other people did. It wasn't me. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't work for Walt Brown. I got no idea what he teaches and I don't care. The Bible says there was a flood. There's a lot of cultures of a flood. And I think the idea of the earth being created perfect and then man falling into sin and God judging the world with a flood and then <clears throat> the, all the animals being on a boat is a lot easier to believe than all the animals coming from a rock. That's a lot easier for me to believe that all the animals came from 8,000 pairs of Noah's animals than to believe it came from a dot of nothing exploding 13.772 billion years ago. I think that theory is insanely stupid, but go ahead. Okay, that's off topic for the for the for the point. So okay, so let's keep going with this because again, I'm trying to figure out the feasibility. Right, we're trying to talk about the feasibility of a wooden boat in this environment. So um, I want to I want to keep because I feel like I don't have a good answer on how this heat dispersal works because like we agree that plate tectonics generates heat. They move very slowly. It still generates heat. Geysers and volcanoes generate heat. You're saying the heat would disperse because the atmosphere is expanding. By what percentage volume? Because we can like do like physics exists. We can do math on this, right? So by what percentage volume is the atmosphere expanding here? Well, I wasn't there. I don't know. I'll watch the video when I get to heaven. I'll try to get the message down to you wherever you are at that time. But so, I think, okay. um, go ahead. Was it more than 99%? Was it more than 99.9%, 99.99%? Because we can look at the amount of heat. And even if you disperse well over 99% of that heat, you're still heating everything to over 1,000 degrees Celsius. So, like, I, you know, I, I'm just asking if you thought through this argument to, like, actually check to see if the numbers check out or if we end up expanding the Earth's atmosphere to the point where it ends up so dis, so diffuse to get rid of all that heat that it's actually not even an atmosphere at all, really. Right. Well, How much would we have to expand it? OK, Dan, you asked if I thought this out. I've never heard this argument from anybody. You're debate number 248 for me. I've never heard anybody make this argument about the heat being a problem. Um, I, I think the idea do you believe all the animals in the world today have a single common ancestor like a, uh, a single-celled creature? That would be a problem. We can, James, we can talk about that if, if we want to If we want to move on from the ark. Sure. I'd be happy to talk about it, but that's okay. not the topic of this debate. I would like I to move Dan's on from right. the heat. Because issue. the topic was about the ark, I would prefer to stick with the ark, whether it be this heat right. objection against uh, the ark not being able to take the heat or something else about the ark. Okay. I will, I will answer. He doesn't know, and I don't know, and nobody alive today knows what the temperature was, but there are stories of an ark. There's certainly a Bible talking about an ark. Certainly Jesus talked about the ark. I've, I've chosen to believe that by faith. If you have chosen by faith to believe the heat would be a problem, okay, you can believe that if you'd like. You don't know what the heat was. You're making up a problem that may, may or may not exist. You don't know that. You're a scoffer. You don't want to believe this book for some other reason, but the book clearly teaches there was an ark, and it's certainly feasible for all the animals. And the Bible didn't say Noah had to bring the animals. The Bible says they came to him. And the Bible clearly says in Genesis chapter 1, <clears throat> all of the animals were vegetarian at the beginning. After they got off the ark, God said, Noah, now you can eat meat. And probably the meat-eating lion came from a vegetarian lion, and that's a minor change compared to a lion coming from a rock. I don't think that I think that would be a major change. So, yes, I believe the Bible story is true. And all the animals are vegetarian. They came to Noah. He put them on the ark. Let's say 8000 pairs of baby animals are young enough to survive on their own, but not reproducing age yet. There'd be a lot less poop to shovel, a lot less food. And he didn't have to go feed them. He just made piles of food. They would go find it. We don't feed our cows. We throw out a bale of hay and they find it. All the animals would go find the food. Just go put it in piles around the ark. 
So I think the feasibility of the ark with three floors, 45 stories, 45 feet tall, each floor about 15 feet, plenty of room for air circulation. And if you had several of these moon pools with the waves going up and down, pumping air in and out, not a problem. He, the, the crust of the earth cracking open and water coming up <clears throat> is what the Bible says. I see. I think that works just fine. And I think we see loads of evidence uh, of the, all these layers being formed very rapidly. All over the world, there are petrified trees standing up, running through all the layers that you guys claim are different ages. Noah's flood and the ark story is the perfect answer for that one. The water going up and down with the tide going up and down 200 feet would mean it's rushing in and out sideways. Google uh, experiments in stratification, where the guy in Colorado did the at, at the Navy uh, stratification tank and showed that sideways moving water makes 10 or 12 layers at the same time. So you can get a fossil on top that's actually older than a fossil at the bottom because they're forming downstream, not vertical. It's horizontal. Returning so the flood story fits, fits all the evidence that I can see. Go ahead. Any other objections that you have, Dan, toward the arc? So, yeah, so I actually do have additional arc objections. So we'll move on from the heat problem. Kent said, you know what? I believe that this was not a problem because of faith. Say, fine, believe whatever you want because of faith. Not going to fault anybody for that. Let's move on from the heat problem. The other big problem that I want to that I want to hang out on for a little bit is the feasibility of a wooden boat in terms of its stability and its seaworthiness in a global flood. Because as I talked about, the Wyoming was smaller than the Ark. This is a modern boat. This was built in the early 1900s um, with modern shipbuilding techniques. It even had a steam engine to get rid of water that was sneaking through the cracks, even though it was sealed using modern techniques, not ancient techniques, which are far less reliable in terms of sealing the hull against leakage. Um, the arc was bigger. Even with moon pools, the arc is going to flex. Now, Kent described this as just bobbing up and down in the waves, but that's not entirely what's going to be happening because we've established that the crust essentially collapsed inwards as the result of the water rushing outwards. So in addition to the tidal fluctuations and the water rushing outwards, creating unpredictable currents, you also have what are essentially a bunch of earthquake-generated tsunamis. Tsunamis are not just waves going up and down, they're actually water moving, right? So you, you have water, that's like if you watch the videos of, of tsunamis when they crash onto land, it's not just a wave, right? It's actually a, 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 a volume of water that is moving from the ocean onto the land. So this is actually water moving its currents. It's not just waves bobbing up and down. Now this boat, because it's so large, is going to be subject to different forces at opposite ends. No number of moon pools is going to prevent the torsion and flexion that is going to be the result of these conflicting forces in this global flood, which again, I want to emphasize, are going to be the equivalent of tsunamis more powerful than any earthquake that we have like witnessed in the history of humanity. So how is a wooden boat going to survive in that environment when the largest, best constructed wooden boat modern humans have ever made couldn't deal with a, a storm off the coast of New England and not a particularly bad one? Okay, very simple. The, the tsunami in Japan, when I was living in Pensacola, we happened to be down at the beach with my family when the tsunami hit Japan, it was huge. We didn't feel a thing in Pensacola. So when the tsunamis were happening in the world, the ark was someplace else. That's it. Just the ark was someplace else. There was so there was worldwide the crust collapsed inward, which generates worldwide. the crust of the earth is cracked up. I think everybody would agree with that. And the water so underneath. Part, 
So where was the ark and where were the earthquakes? Where was the part that cracked inwards? The ark was in the places where the earthquakes weren't. Mm -hmm. I see. And that also, and that also, so, and it also hit waves side on rather than front on. So you didn't have end over end flexing. It was always oriented such that the waves only hit the side. So it didn't flex. That's a fair question. There's been the research on the vessel that they found over there in Turkey and said the ark had giant rocks hanging over the side called drogue stones. Noah's ark wasn't designed to go anywhere. It wasn't an ocean going vessel. It was just a float. So if you had rocks hanging over the side, I've got pictures here somewhere. You need to watch my seminar. But you would see that the, uh, the problem is solved very simply by hanging. They do this today when stormy weather drop the anchors, even if they can't touch bottom. Just drop the anchor so they can create drag that will automatically turn you perpendicular to the waves. In stormy weather, if you have what are called drogue stones, it'll turn you perpendicular to the waves and you hit them head on instead of side on. Not a problem at all. I got pictures of that in here somewhere, but we're going to so many different topics here. Um, oh, this is so, just a flood and boat. This is, this is only one topic. Sure. And you would rather not believe the story than even try to answer any of these questions. You're not asking questions. You're stating your point, trying to make it look ridiculous. And uh, just like I do about y'all came from a rock. I'm sure I read from the books that it's what you teach. Okay. I mean, it's a debate. That's the point. Well, yeah. We'll oh. debate that next time. I'll come to your class. I'll, I'll, fl- I'll fly to Princeton. I'll debate uh, your uh, Rutgers. I'll debate. I did the what I did say, debate I appreciate the promotion. Yeah. Uh, I'll do. I'll okay. So, okay. So let me see if I understand this correctly, because these, so these stones, and I'm, I'm Ken, I really, I'm genuinely trying to understand this position. So, so these stones, they, they, you said they turn the boat so that it's going to hit the waves head on instead of side on. Is that correct? That's just Google drogue stones, D-R-O-G-U-E. The purpose in ask any Navy officer, real stormy weather, drop the anchors, let them drag in the ocean. It, the wind automatically turns you perpendicular mm-hmm. to the waves because you got something dragging well, okay, behind so you're, you. Right, so you're perpendicular to the waves, great. So a boat that's 450 feet long, what happens when there is a wave at the bow? It doesn't really have a bow and a stern, but let's pretend it has a front and a back. It doesn't really, but let's just, you know, just for simplicity to illustrate the point. So there's a wave at one end, right? It lifts up that one end, right? Now the other end is going to be down. So that's going to cause, because it's a wooden boat and wood Necessary, like wood is a flexible material. That's largely what makes it such a good building material for seagoing vessels is that it flexes rather than breaks. The problem is you get too big and the flexing over the length of the whole vessel is too much. So if a wave lifts up one end of it, it doesn't, it's not rigid like a metal ship would be, right? It's going to flex and you're going to have water is going to be able to get in along the length of that. So what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to work out the logistics of how they deal with that because I, know I mean, is the answer that it do, that it doesn't flex because it's a wooden boat? Wooden boats flex, even little ones. Well, God told Noah how to build it. Noah was nearly six hundred. He was six hundred years old and went on board. I bet he was smarter than you and me put together. So he probably and God gave, followed God's instructions. But here I found the part of my seminar with my eighteen thousand slides. The Turkish government has labeled the spot Noah on Gumshi, which means Noah's big boat, five kilometers this way. Bible says the ark rested in the mountains, plural of Ararat. There are four theories about what happened to it. Maybe it rotted. Maybe they took it apart and reused the lumber. Maybe it's still on the mountain or maybe it's down in the valley. The government of Turkey says it's right in the sides of Mount Ararat. There's Mount Ararat right there. Some people say it's on the mountain. I disagree completely. Uh, There was a gorge there. This, uh, right, there we go. That's the photograph from Life Magazine, September 5th, 1960. They said, wow, what is this? When they went to analyze it, they said, this is a wooden boat. And the, the mud flow from the volcano quite a ways away, the, the heat generated, melted the snow, created a mud flow. 
mud flowed around it. Wow. In 1978, there was an earthquake and whatever this shape was, either it, it came up or the ground went down. It's hard to tell, nobody saw it, but it's now sticking up out of the ground. And that is apparently what's left of Noah's Ark, right there. It is the right shape, 515 feet long. Ron Wyatt was a good friend of mine, he died, but he said the Ark has collapsed and splayed out to the side. Radar scans showed beams and timbers inside, subsurface radar. The Ark is a collapsed wooden boat from 4,000 years ago. It was held together by iron rivets, the drogue stones here. It was three layers of wood, like plywood, only five inches thick. Pretty strong plywood. There's a piece of it right there. You can go to Wyatt Museum in Tennessee if you want to see all the evidence about it. So it had apparently a, uh, a, a ballast at the bottom to hold it upright so it doesn't roll over, filled with rocks. That was ripped off and is up near the mountain as the ark slid down, who knows when, but it would have this uh, keel back to that, that would hold the rocks. Erupt. But the, like technically, theoretically, not as much, uh, though interesting, and we've had that debate before on whether or not the uh, Ark is out there somewhere, mm. going back to the feasibility more so of whether or not the Ark could work. Well, if the Ark has been discovered, that, that answers the feasibility problem. Here it is. Yeah. There's a visitor center right there. Go, go to Turkey and see it. So the feasibility, his, his argument was it could survive the flexing, I'm showing you, I'm trying to get to the place. Uh, the, uh, I think that's Noah's a begging the question fallacy. There it is. These are the drogue stones. I forget how many they found now, 9,000 pound stones with holes in the top. Apparently this was to put a rope through there. Many ships in the Mediterranean do this today. They have rocks hanging over the side. If they get in stormy weather, drop the rocks. And the drogue stones create drag, which will automatically turn you perpendicular to the waves. You need to watch my video number two. I cover all this. So anyway. Uh, this guy said, don't you know, Hoven, if Noah's Ark had rocks hanging over the boat, it would slow him down. I said, where was he going? It wasn't, go there's no place to go. He's just trying to float. So I think that that can be, the heat is not a problem and the flexing of the boat would not be a problem. And he, he, hitting waves head on, ask anybody who's been in a boat, that's a lot safer than hitting them sideways. And you don't know that there were waves at all where Noah's Ark was. Wait, you said there were waves. You said it bobbed up and down on the waves. Well, if there were, but you're assuming the waves were like the tsunami in Japan. I was at the beach in Pensacola. We didn't get a single wave from that tsunami. Well, you explained that earlier when you talked about how, how you're in the Gulf. So that, that protects it from, from what's going on outside there. Plus, it's on the other I, side of the planet. I do really bet the people in New York. But it would have been one ocean. So it doesn't matter if the New earthquake York, was over okay. here, right? Okay. Or was it not a global flood? Well, if Japan had the earthquake and the tsunami, I bet it did. I bet you didn't even feel it in California. At a certain mm. distance, the wave it actually did. Hit, it actually did hit California. That's it. Actually, it actually did. It was weaker at that distance, but it actually it did was hit California. Definitely weaker, but it certainly didn't affect the people in Chile. Uh, the, I think it did. Hit is, I don't know. I don't know how you can't <laughs> see this, but a disaster in one place does not affect the entire world. There are earthquakes okay, going on right now, and I can't feel a thing here in Lenox, Alabama. Global flood? A global flood would dissipate oh, so it, the, the energy even more. Whole, but it, it affected the whole world, though, right? Like it was a well, the, global the whole world flood. was definitely flooded. Okay. I think there's evidence of worldwide flood. There's was clams it, on top of Mount Everest. Was it was it set like were there like barriers that prevented the waves from over here from getting over there? Because I mean, like 
like earthquake, like earthquake waves go through the planet and we can record them circulating the planet like multiple times, right? Well, no, so unless it. there's something that's going to block the energy, it's going to yeah. affect the whole planet. Okay, earthquake waves going through the crust of the earth is right. very different than, than how it affects the water. Noah floating in a boat on top of the water probably doesn't care what the crust of the earth is doing 5,000 miles away. It's a big planet okay, 5, and you're creating okay. a problem that doesn't need to exist. If there were waves generated, to say that, therefore, the whole flood story is wrong because you don't have the video to watch. Oh, that's how Noah's Ark survived the waves. I don't know. But I've chosen to believe it. You've chosen to doubt it. But I do resent all the taxpayers having to pay your salary while you teach kids to doubt it. You ought to go teach in a private school and teach kids to doubt the Bible. I do want to, I do just, James, I know this is off topic, but I do want to address this point because it's a common misconception um, for evolutionary biology education. We actually don't mention creationism. It never comes up. So I'm not at all teaching kids to doubt anything. And I shouldn't even call them kids. They're adults. They're students. Um, um, but no, it doesn't, it doesn't come up. Um, it's just, it's not relevant. Um, so it never comes up. We talk about the mechanisms of evolutionary change. We talk about different evolutionary pathways. We talk about techniques, like how you can figure stuff out. We talk about how molecular phylogenetics works. We talk about lots of interesting things, uh, but we don't talk about um, creationism because it's it's not relevant to the topic in that class. It would be really relevant in like a comparative religion course or something or philosophy course, but it's not relevant to evolutionary biology. So it never comes up. So I want to make sure that you rest easy knowing that taxpayers, I mean, not you, but, you know, taxpayers are actually like not um, paying for me to, to tell people that atheism is true because that's not happening. But they are paying to they are paying you to teach them that elephants we, and bananas have a, have a common ancestor. Do. Okay, we, back to the ark. We have just maybe a few more minutes on the ark, and maybe okay, we later we can talk James, about the taxes and all that. I have in front of me the page from the book of Josephus, written about 2,000 years ago at the time of Christ. He was a historian that worked for the Roman army. He's talked about the, the Armenians call the spot the landing place and show the remains of it to this day. The flood and the ark are mentioned in uh, Berossus the Chaldean, who writes, a portion of the vessel still survives in Armenia. On the mountains, the people carry off pieces of the bitumen as talismans. Many historians down through the centuries have said, oh, there was a flood, and here's the boat. Go see it. Now, you mentioned about the boat being too long. Waves going up and down would not be a problem if you had what I called a moon pool. It allows the wave to go up and down inside the boat, creates a pump for fresh air. I don't know that it had this. <clears throat> it was a wooden boat 4,400 years ago. It rotted. But the Bible clearly teaches there was a flood. Jesus believed in it. There's 350 flood legends, and 70% of the earth today is covered by sedimentary rock. There's rounded gravel worldwide. I think the ark has been found. There are underwater canyons, bigger than Grand Canyon, indicating rapid movement of the water sideways. We, are, we go back to the ark. Okay. Well, the ark was floating in the ocean, and there's enough, there's enough water to cover the earth 8,000 feet deep everywhere today. So I think it is still there. Go ahead. I, I, James, I don't have anything to add. I mean, between the heat uh, and the feasibility of a wooden boat, I got, I I mean, none, none of that was, that was all about how evolution is is a poopy head and uh, it shouldn't be taught. Um, I got, We can jump good. into the Q&A then. I, I don't want to interrupt okay. you. Go ahead, Dan. If you had any other thoughts. Did you have Q&A from the audience there, uh, James? That's what I was referring to. Is basically yeah, what yeah, I, 
I mean, if we want a one sentence summary, I mean, I don't think we adequately address the fact that he would be generated and destroy a wooden boat. Um, Kent says that that's not a problem because he has faith that it's not a problem. Fair enough. But if if we're going if we're going to do this without invoking miracles for how it worked in practice, then that that explanation doesn't work. And I don't think the stability of a wooden boat in terms of just wood being a flexible material in something that large, it's going to flex, it's going to leak, it's not going to be seaworthy. I don't think we addressed any of that stuff. I'm good to go to the Q&A if you are, Kent. I'm ready. We'll jump into it. Want to say thanks, everybody, for your questions. And friendly reminder, folks, want to ask that you'd be your regular friendly selves, attacking the arguments ferociously and not attacking the person, though. And also want to remind you that our guests are linked in the description. And that includes if you're listening to this debate via podcast. Folks, we are now trying to get our podcast of each debate out within 12 hours after it happens. And so... With that, we'll jump into Q&A. Bubblegum Gun says, reminder that all is up for debate and we must. I don't know what we must do, but we appreciate that. And I think maybe they mean we must debate. But Area 85 Restoration Snakes says, okay, as an engineer, I can speak with some authority when I say that putting a moon pool in the center of a ship absolutely doesn't relieve any stresses whatsoever on the ship. This can only weaken the structure. I think that's for you, Kent. Was that a question? He's, he's made a statement. He doesn't believe it'll work. Um, many ships have had this. You can have a hole on the inside, a pipe on the inside that lets the water come up and down, and it does relieve the stress. If the water doesn't have to go up as high, the boat can effectively absorb some of the water up, as i got my pictures here somewhere, uh, up into the uh, into the vessel. So, okay, uh, he, he, he's an engineer, therefore it must be right. I mean, come on, gee whiz. So uh, <laughs> my dad was an engineer. My brother's an engineer. Uh, so People can disagree on things if they like. I just said this is one circular, this is one possible solution to provide air circulation, relieve stress. You might have had 20 moon poles. You could have holes scattered out 20 feet apart, all up and down the arc, and look, they could be small ones even. Anything to relieve some of the stress and to allow the air circulation and a place to dump your garbage. That's just a, it's just a theory. I don't know. I'll, find, I'll watch the video when I get to heaven. You got it. And Robert Summers, thanks for your question. Said Kent, how can you support the arc having a moon pool? Seems like, let's see, a rather ad hoc explanation. I don't know that it had one, but that was, if I was building it, I would probably put a bunch of them in there for that same purpose. Pump fresh air in and out, pump uh, it, it water circulation, it get a fresh water supply. I'd, I'm only what, 67 years old. I'm smart enough now to figure out I'd build it where the waves come up and automatically fill my watering troughs. So I don't have to go around and water all them animals. I'd think that out. I bet Noah at 600 figured that out. Gotcha. And Vandalia, 1998, thanks for your question, says, For both, if the flood happened 4,000 years ago or so, why is there evidence of Native Americans here as far back as 8,000 years ago? Is that for me or for him? For both. Go ahead, James or Dan. Uh, thank you. Um, the answer is because the flood didn't happen. Um, a global flood did not happen 4,000 years ago and wipe out every civilization on Earth. There are lots of civilizations that that we have persistent either archaeological or in some cases, as in the case of the Egyptians, like physical, not pure like phonetic writing, but close to writing records um, of, of, you know, 
clean across where that flood gap should be. And, and Kent earlier mentioned that every civilization has a flood story associated with it. Um, one notable exception to that is Egyptians, which is weird considering they were right next to where this supposedly happened. Um, so I do find it notable that Egypt, uh, which has a record back through when the flood would have happened uh, without mentioning it, um, also doesn't have like a flood story in their in their collective mythology, um, despite being subject to floods all the time with the Nile. Um, it just so the answer the answer to the question is we have these records going back more than four thousand four hundred years because the global flood did not happen. Well, I disagree. I think the Egyptians are well known for their exaggerations. Like King Pharaoh was the king, or he was the pharaoh for three hundred years when he was actually king for twenty five years. They exaggerated everything. They built the giant temples for them to live in. They wanted you know, him to be the greatest guy ever. So I think you'd be very careful studying. If you study history, you'll see the Egyptians were great at exaggerating. I don't think there's any civilization that you could prove survived, was here at the time of that flood 4,400 years ago. Some may have had legends told about things before the flood. They bring the legend with them on board the ark and tell the story. There were certainly civilizations here before called Adam and Eve and up to, up to the time of Noah. But no, I don't see a problem at all. I, I, the Native American legends, how did how was this preserved? I'd like to see somebody really, a forensic scientist, analyze that and prove it was 8,000 years ago. I think you'd have a hard time uh, getting more than 4,000 years of proven history anywhere from any place on the earth. Reliable proven history. But this is not a debate about the history. Would the, is the ark feasible? I think perfectly fine. I think it could handle all the animals. I think it was necessary to survive the flood. I think the remains have been found. I think there's 350 legends about it. I think I win the debate, but go ahead. If one teensy follow-up, and I promise this will be super fast, James. Um, Kent, you just said that the, the ages of, of, I think the pharaohs were exaggerated. They said they lived hundreds of years, and that's that's obviously an exaggeration. How old was Noah during the flood? How old was what? How old was Noah at the time of the flood? According to the Bible, everybody before the flood lived into the 900s, and Noah was okay, but built the boat. Okay, so it was an it was an exaggeration for the pharaohs back then, but it was but no, it was six hundred. Okay, thank you. No, oh, I think that's true. I believe there's certain there's over a thousand legends have been found called the Golden Age. Just Google Golden Age. Cultures all over the world teach you know man used to live to be a thousand. What happened? You know reptiles never Move. stop growing. Move. Never. Neither do kangaroos or, or beavers, by the way. But just so those reptiles, sorry. they could be. They, that was the dinosaurs with Adam and Eve, not we millions of years ago. No, it took them on the ark. Thank you very much for your question, Anthony, and thank you both, Kent and Dan, for entertaining all these questions. This one, Anthony asks, Atheist here, and for Kent, where is SpongeBob? They must be a fan of your, the SpongeBob. Is it? There, there he is. Okay. Thank you. And then Alan H., thank you for your question, says, Kent, if only, if Noah only brought babies why does the ark encounter have adult animals does that make the ark encounter from ken ham false i have not been there i don't know what he has i don't work for him i have no connection to them i, I appreciate what they do for the lord we're walking two different paths they can do what they want but no i would not if if we if we build a noah's ark here it'll have babies on it so then you'll get to see how it really was you got it. And Ozian says, how did all the fresh fish, freshwater fish survive when the oceans mixed with fresh water or vice versa? Did the fish evolve and create different species? Well, today there are freshwater bass and saltwater bass. There are freshwater crocodiles and saltwater crocodiles. There are quite a few varieties of animals that are both fresh and saltwater. I believe they had a com I, believe, I believe the freshwater and saltwater bass had a common ancestor called a bass. 
I think that changing from a changing from a freshwater fish to a saltwater fish is a minor change compared to going from a rock to a fish. Very minor change. So there are many animals today that adapt. I cover this on my seminar part four, lies in the textbooks if you want to get that. The uh, a friend of mine up here in North Alabama raised had aquariums, and he he said, I wonder if I can take my mollies, my freshwater fish, and turn them into saltwater fish. So he did the math on it to go from freshwater to 3.6% salt, ocean salt water. He special, uh, divided it out over 14 days, slowly added salt to the aquarium. The fish adapted to it. After two weeks, 14 days, they were saltwater fish. Then he put them back in fresh water and they all died. So I don't know, that'd be an interesting study uh, to see, can all animals adapt? Maybe some could not, maybe some went extinct. I think the whole world was freshwater during the flood. It, obviously all the rivers are running into the ocean and they're bringing with them mineral salts. The oceans are gaining salt every day. The fact that they're only 3.6% salt today indicates they are not billions of years old. They cannot be billions of years old. They would be much saltier. Do the math on that. So yeah. I think I don't see a problem at all for the creationist view that yeah. you change from freshwater fish and some adapted to saltwater. Most of the animals in saltwater don't like it. They have to get some way to get rid of it. They got to pee it out or put it out through their eyes and salt salt crystals. And most it's a nuisance to most of them. Uh, oh, they've got it, to where it, they couldn't live without. It's the other way, but whatever. It's the water backwards. I'm sorry. What now? No, it's, it's not. It's not relevant. Go ahead, James. You got it. And this question, thank you very much. Ballard827 says, Kent, no one believes that we evolved from rocks, though. They said, you've been you've been told this hundreds of times and have never shown a source that says that we believe this. Why do you keep saying it? I am sitting right beside a textbook collection, probably 200 textbooks, biology, earth science, etc. I show many times in my seminar, right from the textbooks, the Big Bang, produced all the planets and all the stars, the earth cooled down and developed a hard rocky crust. How many have seen me show that right from the textbook? Okay, 18 people in my crowd here. It developed a hard rocky crust and then it rained on the rocks for millions of years and turned them into soup. And in the, in the oceans, the first living organisms appeared. I know it's embarrassing to admit it, but you guys do believe you came from a rock and you should be really embarrassed. And I'm glad to point it out to you. Go ahead. Amy Newman with this question comment says, Midnight after show at my channel. And by the way, Dapper Dino also has an after show, which is linked in the description. We will link anybody's after show no matter what side you're on. Then Amy asked, question for Kent, would you be able to build a boat that would survive a worldwide flood if you were building it yourself? Well, I don't know. Noah was 600 years old. I don't know how long it took him to build it, but I, I don't think I'm going to make it to 600 at the rate I'm going. I'm going I'm to have to doubt that. Uh, if God told me to, I would try to do it. But uh, plus, he might have hired all kinds of help. We don't know. He built it by himself. Might have hired the neighborhood. It may, they might have laughed at him. They certainly didn't go on board. But we don't know all those details. I think that's a minor problem. I'll, I'll get some textbooks here and show you where we came from a rock, if you don't believe that. But it is exactly what the – oh, I know where it is. Seminar part one. Uh, okay. Okay, go ahead. Secular Pagan, Mom, thanks for your super sticker of that beautiful unicorn, tremendous unicorn. And Sarah, thanks for your question, says, Semitic flood stories are more likely due to flood in the area, in their specific area. 7,500 years ago, there was Yuz flood that resulted from an earthquake that created a natural dam that inspired Chinese stories of floods. I would respond by saying there are many local floods. There's not a question about that. It happens all the time. 
But why would God tell Noah to build a boat 500 feet long and fill it with animals if it's a local flood? Tell him to move. Gotcha. And this one coming in from, do appreciate your question, and also, dividing word asks or says you also forgot God, that God, the omniscient one, was instructing Noah. Who's to say that God didn't give Noah instructions about the ark with a technology even unknown to us? Let's see. I don't know if that would be for you, Dan, or if they were maybe responding to someone else's question earlier. I mean, I'll just say that if we want to invoke God providing some unknown technology that then we subsequently lost after the flood, that's fine, but we can't evaluate that best based on evidence we have today. That's an argument based on miracles and divine intervention. Fine, I'm not going to argue against that. If you want to believe that, power to you, but we're not going to find physical evidence to be able to back that up. Gotcha. And this one from Robert Summers. Do appreciate it, Robert. This timely asked, Kent, can you answer... Uh, can you give an answer on how much expansion would be needed to dissipate the heat? You are the teacher, so you can teach me about that, please. Uh, I don't know. I, could, I taught physical science for years. I'd probably go back and figure out, you know, the thermal expansion, how much heat absorbs. Get a, get a can of hairspray and hold the button down. It'll absorb a lot of heat. It'll freeze your hand if you keep going. So this is a well-studied problem with compression and decompression of air. But I'll see slide number 275. I did find... Uh, one of the hundreds of references I have, biology textbook right here beside me. Earth is thought to have formed about 4.6 billion years ago, very different from today's Earth. Here's what it might have looked like. The Earth began as a hot ball of rock. Anybody see that on there? Okay. And then it rained on the rocks for 3.9 billion years ago that cooled enough for water vapor to condense. And the Earth was experiencing violent rainstorms. Eventually, the accumulated rainfall formed oceans. In the oceans 3.5 billion years ago, scientists believe the first living organism appeared. Bingo. You came from a rock. I win. Go ahead. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. Coming in from <sighs> D. Watts asked Kent, how many different quote unquote kinds of animals do you think were on the ark? I would be guessing, but I would say about 8,000 kinds. I covered this a few nights ago on my YouTube channel, Kent Hovind Official that everybody's worried about the species. What about go to the family level? If you go to the class level, you know, you got kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. I just went through and looked, how many orders of cats are there? Not species, how many orders? It's only like, I forget now, um, but I, less, less than 200. So uh, I could call that up if you'd like, but the just go watch a couple nights ago, YouTube channel, Kent Hovind Official. So, yeah, if there would be only about 8,000 kinds of animals, I'm not sure if the biblical word kind matches our careless lineage classification system, you know, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. At some levels, at some points, the word kind might mean family or class or order. But I think a four-year-old can tell you that a dog and a coyote are the same kind of animal, and a dog and a banana are not. But you guys yeah. believe dogs and bananas have a common ancestor right here. It came from a rock. Look at oh, the textbook. Lion and a hyena. I didn't write it. You should be embarrassed if your textbooks publish that. We'll give you a chance to respond, Deanna. We, we haven't had a lot of questions for you, so I want to give you a no, chance. No, that's fine. That's that's how it goes. It's all good. No, I was going to say, you know, you can you can invoke whatever definition of kind you want, but the problem is once you get a number that's sufficient to fit in a boat for a year, you end up having to invoke uh, extremely rapid evolutionary processes afterwards. So, I mean, we're getting skepticism that, like, 
evolution as evolutionary biologists understand it could actually happen, but we're taken to understand that two individuals uh, can generate over 150 species of cats in the span of just a couple hundred years. Uh, now, keep in mind that most of those species are now extinct. So we have lots of speciation followed by a collapse, lots of extinction, and we're left with what, like the 30, 50, however many cat species there are now. Now, however you want to slice and dice those numbers, you end up in this in this zone where either you have to invoke hyper-evolution to get to extant biodiversity within a couple hundred years after the arc, or you end up with so many individuals that even if they're all juveniles, they can't reasonably fit on the arc. As someone said, just the methane alone is going to be toxic. It's going to be a major death trap. That arc is going to be a death trap is the word someone used. And that's exactly true if you just look at the numbers of individuals, 8,000 kinds, 6,000 individuals, plus the eight humans, uh, 16,000 individuals, plus the humans, the methane emissions alone are going to be prohibitive. Like, and we didn't even talk about that, you know? Um, so, I mean, okay, you can have ventilation, but there's raining. So like, how much ventilation do you get? There are waves, you get water. Now you're back to the, how do you deal with the water getting to the boat problem, right? It's it's these problems compound on each other and invoking hyper evolution does not get around it, especially because once you invoke evolution at that rate, then I can say, great, we agree. Evolutionary processes can do their thing. You think they work faster than I do. Cool. Next okay. up, thank you very much. Well, wait, wait. I'll give you a, Hyper -evolution. You a quick response. I'll give you uh, one. I think I, I was at a seminar one time in a family. A lady stood up. She said, my family has been involved in dog kennels for 100 years. Grandpa started it, my dad, now me. She said, I can tell you right now, we can we can start with a, a couple of pairs of mutts and through selective breeding develop hundreds of varieties of dogs in 100 years. Most of the varieties of cats and dogs today, especially the domesticated ones, were developed for a particular purpose. Like somebody, why I don't know, developed a chihuahua. It wouldn't last 10 minutes out in the woods. So most of the dog breeds wouldn't survive. If you turn all the dogs loose, there's 339 recognized breeds of dogs by the American Kennel Association. I would guess 200 of them wouldn't survive. They would revert back to the more of a generic, like a wolf or a coyote. So I don't know how many animals are on the ark. I'm going to ask God when I get up there, but I think it's going to be embarrassing for you, Dan, Judgment Day, when God's going to say, you doubted my book over that. Gotcha. And thank ask Hell's Wager, drink. Thank you for this question from Mitchell asks, for Dan, can a cardinal, cardinale, in parentheses, learn to fly by it's itself? A, it's a pun. It's a pun. If so, given your nonsensical paradigm. So, I'm not sure what the question is, but I, but I do want to say I appreciate the pun. I do want to say that I appreciate the pun, the cardinal, cardinal. I, I like the pun. Um, I think, so we could spend an hour talking about the evolution of flight and the different times it's happened among vertebrates and invertebrates. Um, but I mean, the short answer is like, yeah, flight evolves and we can, we more or less know how that happens. And it's happened 30 times among vertebrates. And fun fact, the only ones that are dinosaurs that could fly are modern birds because pterosaurs, not dinosaurs, they're the sister group. It's, I like that one, that, that the only flying birds are the, the only flying dinosaurs are the birds that we have today. Gotcha, and thank you very much for this question coming Such in. Such a nerd, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right, we like it. And Area 85 Restoration says, a moon pool does not relieve stress. This is not something I, quote, believe. They said, I can show you this mathematically. Can you show mathematically that I'm wrong? Who was that for? That was definitely for you, Ken. Well, I think we can, we can probably try it out with a rowboat in our lake. 
cut a hole in the bottom, weld a pipe on, have it come up inside. If you go, and we can do the math and get, if we could have a wave generator to generate X, you know, certain number of size, X, actual size waves that we could you know, generate and repeat the experiment. I bet we can do it. Uh, we should do that. I got a water tank, generate waves, have a little wooden ship, see how much it bobs up and down with a, say a two inch wave, and then put a moon pool and see if it does absorb some of the shock. Uh, I don't, I've never, we have all kinds of cool stuff at Dinosaur Adventureland. We'll add that to the list. Okay, Sheila, put that on the list for the flood demo out here. About the Grand Canyon probably formed in a week too, by the way. It's a washed out dam, a really big one. You should come see our demo on that. You're going to love that one. Anyway, so yeah, I, I don't, I haven't done the math yet. I, I could, I could calculate. I taught, you know, algebra, geometry, trig, and physics. I could probably do that. That's a good one. I'll do that. And this one coming in from Robert Summers says, Kent, how do you know that the pharaohs who lived or reigned for 300 years weren't in their own golden age, as you had mentioned, different cultures have had their golden ages <clears throat> reported on? I was just mentioning that the Egyptians are well known for exaggeration. I don't know. I mean, they, they, I, I go back and study that and find it's been years since I read about that. But they were, I think most historians would say the ancient Egyptians were well known to exaggerate. Gotcha. And this question, appreciate your question as well. Tyler West asks, can the BTUs from thousands of animals and the methane gas buildup with only one window for ventilation would make the the ark a death trap? So covered some, but we'll give you a chance to respond okay. to it if you'd like. I would like to find out where on earth they got the idea there was only one window. The Bible says there'll be he would finish the window in a cubit. It only gives one dimension, elbow to fingertip. I think it was completely around the ark, one big continuous uh, ventilation spot all the way around. The ark was only designed to float. So they're saying it, one window. Where did you get that? Not from the Bible story. Gotcha. This one from Matthew DeMartin says, go, Leafs, go. I don't get it. One of you guys, is that like your nickname? Leaf? Okay, next up, Revelation. I have no idea. It's a sports thing. Revelation said, okay, uh, said, Kent, you criticize the idea of a quote-unquote guru to help someone learn, but in Ephesians 4, Paul describes a teacher as one of the five gifts of Christ to the church for growth. Smart Christians are gifts, not gurus. I'm not sure when that came up. When did that come I'm up? not sure what the question is, but yeah, we definitely, I love teaching. I, I, that's what our whole place here is about teaching that God's word is true and you're going to face God one day. And I, I want to get everybody ready for that. I found another textbook showing how the earth was throughout billions of years ago. You know, all the matter in the universe was in a dot smaller than a period on a page. Gotcha. That's a crowded Nathan. dot. You got it. Nathan R. Thanks so much. As a more of a comment. Uh, they say you've convinced me, Mr. Hoven. Thank you for all of your work. And this one coming in from 80 or area 85 restoration says, yes, the textbooks state how the universe and our planet was formed. However, including the big bang and planetary formation in the theory of evolution is something you made up. Kent, he said, in reality, it has never included these things. Well, let's see. I downloaded this uh, last year off the internet, uh, the conversation.com. The earth started out as a ball of very, very hot liquid. The liquid was mostly made of two elements, oxygen and silica. How about this one? A few hundred million years, after a few hundred million years, the temperature of the Earth reached 2,000 degrees. The melting point of iron in Earth's core was formed. Earth formed 4.54 billion years ago. Let's see. 
and swirling in the waters of the oceans is a bubbling broth of complex chemicals. Progress from a complex chemical soup to a living organism is very slow. I think that whole statement is very stupid. This, well, I think what they were, I might have not read it as clearly as I could. I think what they were trying to get at is they were trying to say that the Big Bang and planets, like planets forming, that those two things don't fall under the umbrella of evolution, that they are distinct. Well, hold it. Good, good point. But they are essential for the starting point. What evolved? Where did this first animal come from? Right here, textbook. In the oceans, 3.5 billion years ago, scientists believe the first living organisms appeared. So the first living organisms appeared in the oceans, which came from the hot ball of rock cooling down. Yes, you do believe you came from a rock. And you're welcome to believe that. We think the planets form from collisions in space and dust rotating around the sun. This is from Berserkley University. After all that crashing released enormous amounts of heat. You want to worry about the heat, Dan. The earth was so hot from all these collisions that all the rock melted. And the earth was a hot ball of melted rock orbiting the sun. How did our planet form? From the Guardian. Talks about the earth think, being a well, hot thing, ball of rock. One thing I I'd want to jump in. The only reason I want to jump in is I think that they were just asking, for example, like are there written sources, whether it be the Guardian or Berkeley or wherever uh, the sources are that describe planetary formation or the Big Bang as falling under the umbrella of evolution? Well, yeah, that's essential. You have to have something. Where did matter come from? Where did time come from? Where did space come from? You can't. They want to start with living material. If you want to leave God out, that's fine. But you don't have a complete theory unless you complain. Where did matter come from? Where did space come from? Where did energy come from? There's a lot of energy in the world. Talk about the heat. Where, who, who heated that up? But the textbooks, and I show hundreds of them. Here's uh, NASA, or the government, let's see, and, and NOAA, Ocean Service. 3.8 billion years ago, the oceans formed. And it was 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Here's uh, from Bath University. And uh, where was that? I was over there. I, I, I hate okay. to. I got to jump to the next question. We got okay. I, James, can I just ask a yes or no? Uh, it's, I promise it's, it's a yes or no question. Can I just ask Kent a yes or no question before we I'm move to the next if, thing? If Kent is, it's a little. It's a yes or no question. Is that okay? It's have you have you ever like taken attended a full secular evolution course, like? So you know what evolutionary biologists actually teach and what the field actually well, encompasses. I, I attended. It's a yes. It's a yes or no. Just like a, like a college level evolution course. Yes, I attended Illinois Central College in uh, East Peoria, Illinois, my first two years, and then transferred to a Bible college. I have the textbooks beside me. I can. But read. did you take? Was there an evolution course there? Did you take evolutionary biology? I don't. Not, it wasn't by that name that I recall. I have to go back and look. That's a long. I mean, I'm 68 years old. Almost. Oh, it was a long time. Yeah, true. So it's not modern evolution. So like not modern. Okay. Hold it. Thank you. Hold it. Have Have you ever taken a course on the values of communism? That's what they teach in Russia and China. Have you taken a course on that? Yes or no? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> like, no. Think about it for 10 days. You'll, you'll come back and say, wow, okay. he's right. But go ahead. This one coming one. in from Bubblegum Gun says, Kent, if dinos were on the boat, where are they now? <clears throat> I think as I cover in my seminar part three, all about dinosaurs for two hours, <clears throat> They were, in the, they were in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They were big lizards. Lizards never stop growing. Even today, they never stop growing. Our tortoise is 100 and some pounds. He's this big turbo, we call it. <clears throat> He'll never stop growing. Noah took them on the ark, probably babies. After the flood, the conditions were different. 
lifespans drop from 900 to 400 to 200, and today hardly anybody makes it to 100. Something was different. So many of the bigger species couldn't survive. They didn't live long enough to reach reproducing age is one option. And the climate was different. They couldn't survive. Or people hunted them to extinction. There are many legends of people killing dragons. I think it's the same animal. The word dinosaur wasn't made up till 1841 by Richard Owen. So I think they were uh, same animal, dragons, and people killed off most of them. And there probably are some still alive, like in the Congo swamp in Africa. A friend of mine was a missionary there for 42 years. He said, man, when I showed my natives there a picture of a, a, what we would call a patasaurus, they said, oh, that's Mokali Mbembe. Don't get close. He's not friendly. They're still alive in that swamp. They're only 20 feet long, but a 20-foot dinosaur is still a dinosaur. And it's just, it's a matter, you need to watch my whole video series. We cover all that. DrDino.com, D-R-D-I-N-O. Watch video number three. You can watch it all right there online. Okay. <clears throat> Next up, thank you very much for your question. This one from Gearvash says, who has, let's see, I don't understand. That might be, I think, I don't see how that's related. But Robert Summers says, so golden age stories confirm the Noah's age, but, but we can't apply that to the pharaohs. Why the double standard? Well, there are many countries in the world besides Egypt. I just point out most historians will say the Egyptians tended to exaggerate. That doesn't mean all the other cultures did. There are many legends of a golden age. Why? Just Google it, golden age. Why Why would everybody teach this? I think it's because it came from a fact. There was a golden age. People used to live, they, they usually say a thousand in the golden age legends, but the Bible doesn't have anybody over 969. <clears throat> but I can understand how that would be reasonable uh, if people lived in a perfect environment, had a perfect gene code. Today, everything's degenerating. We're getting more of a genetic load. Uh, lifespans, no, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to improve it to 200 years uh, ever. This one coming in from, do appreciate it, Mr. Archaeopteryx says, Kent, why are there no more supules in Europe, Asia, or Africa since they should have radiated outward from Turkey? Marsupials like kangaroos, etc., are less aggressive than some of many other animals. I think they all radiated out from Turkey. They happened to move toward Australia as the oceans were rising from the melting ice caps. You need to watch my seminar series. But I think they got trapped in Australia. The water between Australia and China and, and Vietnam is only like 30 to 100 feet deep. I mean, if you lowered the oceans 100 feet and they average 12,000 feet, take out, what's that, way less than 1% of the water, freeze it, stick it on the poles. I think everybody agrees the ice caps were bigger. There's plenty of science evidence. Ice caps... Uh, Ice Age glaciers came down to Kansas City, Missouri. So if the ice caps were larger, the oceans are smaller. It would take hundreds of years for that ice to melt back. And meanwhile, as the ice melts back, the ocean levels are rising. Meanwhile, the animals are dispersing, and they ended up trapped in Australia by the rising waters. That's where the marsupials are. Could have been someplace else. It happened to be there. So I don't think that's a problem uh, with the the, Earth's, the oceans have two parts, the deep part called the abyss and then the shallow continental shelf. And if you lowered the oceans one or two or maybe 5% today, nearly all the continents are connected. You could walk anywhere in the world if the continental shelf was exposed. Look at look at the coast of Florida, how shallow the water is out for 100 miles. So I don't think that's a problem. Marsupials are less aggressive, so the more aggressive animals would tend to drive them off. We go up every day when I take the tour here and feed the donkeys, the, the horses, and the cows. Those little miniature ponies, all the other, all the other animals are scared stiff of those two little tiny ponies. They're more aggressive, so they drive off the cows. 
the cows are twice their size. It, it's a matter of uh, food uh, availability, uh, climate. Some animals like colder climate, some don't. Polar bears wouldn't survive long in the desert at all. So I think they've adapted to their environment. They've been, uh, they've been spread out from the Noah's Ark flood. But the, the, the minor problems this person uh, is trying to come up with about the dispersion of animals from Noah's Ark is so minor compared to the dispersion of animals from a rock 4.6 billion years ago. Life on just, Earth bloomed. There it is, primordial soup, somehow sparked to life, livescience.com. Let me just get in there and say that um, as far as as far as marsupials go, there's a whole field called biogeography. And if you're interested in marsupial history for anyone in the audience, uh, you should Google uh, a species called the Virginia opossum. It's uh, a marsupial that lives in North America. And oh, yeah. um, we've mapped the whole biogeographical bio history of the species. It's really cool how we do it. I, I encourage everybody to Google it. We actually can reconstruct the history. So just saying we do have an answer to how this stuff works from evolutionary biology. It's super cool. It's the field of biogeography. Juicy. And this one coming in from, do appreciate it. Raphael says, why show a scallop and call it a clam? I don't remember what that's from. Either of you guys know what that is? Me neither. Question for somebody? I have no idea. But Ian Chen says, James, okay. It says, James has the perfect gene code. Thank you, Ian. That's funny. And want to say, folks, we do appreciate our guests. They have they have busy schedules, and we do want to respect the promise we made in terms of keeping our time limits. And so we do want to say thank you so much to our guests, Kent Hovind, as well as Dan. And want to also mention, folks, they are linked in the description. And that includes if you're listening via the Modern Day Debate podcast as this show will just like all other debates we are working on now getting onto the podcast within 12 hours of the debate happening and so with that I want to say thank you so much kent and dan it's been a true pleasure to have you with us well thank you and dan 500 bucks let me speak at your class for one hour not a religion class but thank you for the offer um after show on the dapper dinosaurs channel if uh, i'll be hanging out over there if anyone wants to join us in just a little bit thank you james and thank you mr hovind Oh, thank you, Dan. And uh, mine's 855-BIG-DINO. I'm extension three. I'll take any calls you got. You got it. And yes, indeed, we do have two after shows tonight. I'm going to add Amy's to the description as well. And so I want to say thanks so much, everybody. I will be back in a moment with a post-credit scene on upcoming debates, such as this one on the bottom right of your screen, as we have a lot of juicy ones coming up. Stick around, and I'll be back in just a moment. Thanks, everybody. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.